Hi, hi everyone. Welcome to episode 35 of Later Dose of Time. Today I have something very different planned. So the next voice you hear will be me, of course, but it would be a recording that I made for my research project at university. So this podcast is actually going to be submitted to my uni as part of my final year project. And I discussed irritable bowel syndrome and just emphasized the effect, the impact on the quality of life of patients. The first 10 minutes will be me just explaining what IBS is, the pathophysiology of it, and just basic introduction into IBS. And the other part, the main content is me um, talking to a guest, an IBS patient, who will tell us how she's lived with this condition and how it's affected her life. So I hope you guys um, enjoy this. I hope everyone loves it. And if you do, don't forget to share. Don't forget to follow on Instagram at Dose of Towel Podcast. You can also follow on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify. And share with your friends. Share with someone who has who has IBS. And maybe they can relate. Maybe they can feel less alone. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. I would say 50%, at least 50% of my time. Of the day. I think about it. Wow. Yeah. I because, you know, you, you go out and you're like, oh, my God, I look like a nine-month pregnant lady. What yeah. can I, I'm so young and I look like I'm pregnant. What can I do to, like, cover it, you know? Yeah. Hi everybody, welcome to Little Dose of Taiwan podcast. Today I am going to be talking about irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. For those who don't know, IBS is a functional gastrointestinal disorder. It's categorized under FGIDs and they're basically a group of gastrointestinal disorders, GI disorders, that cause symptoms in the GI tract. So it could be in your stomach, with your intestines, anywhere from your esophagus to, you know, your small intestines, your large intestines. And usually FGIDs are misdiagnosed. It's a functional disorder. So they have no structural abnormalities most of the time. So for instance, people with irritable bowel syndrome, when they do blood tests or um, x-rays they always come back normal because there's no organ in the body that's deformed or um, impaired so that's why it's called a functional disorder because it's it relates to a problem to do with your physiology it relates to a problem um, with the functioning with the proper functioning of your gastrointestinal system the GI system and IBS affects about 9 to 23% of the world population. And a lot of people do not actually seek medical advice or seek medical intervention because the, the severity and even the diversity of symptoms is it's a lot. It's vast in the IBS community. So some people don't feel the need to even ask for help because it doesn't really affect their, you know, their health or their well-being. While people who feel the impact, um, the adverse impact of irritable bowel syndrome 
um, on their well-being or to seek help. And just to give you a perspective, only a third of people with IBS actually go to a medical professional. A lot of IBS symptoms are quite embarrassing. And I'm going to tell you a couple of them. Like most FGIDs, IBS symptoms include GI problems like abdominal bloating and distension, diarrhea, which you can see why some people will not want to, you know, talk about that, constipation, abdominal pain, a lot of GI problems that can be very frustrating and can cause a lot of discomfort and pain to the patient. How is IBS diagnosed? Because I mentioned earlier that there's no deformity, there's no abnormality in your structures and your organs. So that, that's actually what makes it harder to diagnose and what makes it harder to treat because a lot of IBS patients have different symptoms and diagnosis is based on the symptoms. So they have kind of an exclusion criteria method. They have an exclusion approach to this. So they will do blood tests. They will do x-rays, tool tests as well to try and exclude other disorders like Crohn's disease. Crohn's disease is an inflammatory bowel disease, IBD. It's different from IBS because unlike IBS, it's not a functional GI disorder. There's a physical manifestation of the symptoms. There's an inflammation of any part of the GI tract, usually the colon, which will be visible in tests like a colonoscopy, in scans like a colonoscopy. So that we try and exclude other kinds of diseases. And if your symptoms align with Rome 1 to 4 criteria for diagnosis, Rome 4 being the latest one, then you will be diagnosed with IBS. Now, what is the Rome 4 criteria? It is basically abdominal pain is relieved after a bowel movement, usually. So it has to be an abdominal pain accompanied with um, relief during defecation that you have at least once a week. And most people will have abdominal pain with a change in the frequency and the consistency of the stool. So not to get too um, explicit, but you know, sometimes people with IBS find it difficult to pass stool. So you could assume that the, the, the consistency of the, the appearance of the stool will vary. So you have to have this for at least six months, the symptoms for at least six months to be diagnosed with IBS. Diarrhea, constipation, abdominal pain, bloating, um, visceral hypersensitivity, which is a major one. Um, and I will get into that right now because I will explain the pathophysiology of irritable bowel syndrome and you will see why a lot of IBS patients have uh, hypersensitivity in their gut. So as IBS is a functional disorder, I said that the problem is mainly with the physiology rather than a dysfunction in the organ, rather than uh, abnormality in the organ. They don't have a broken rib, for instance, or a ruptured you know, stomach or something. So it is mainly a dysregulation in the way that the gut, the stomach and the brain communicate. And this network of signaling uh, is called the gut-brain axis, the GBA. And it's basically how 
your brain using nerves. So the central nervous system communicates with the nerves in the stomach, the enteric nervous system. And when there's a dysfunction in this pathway, that's when gastrointestinal symptoms arise. And based on research, there's a lot of studies that have provided evidence that stress exacerbates this symptom. So stress is a huge trigger for people with IBS. And there's two main things that stress induces in the gut-brain axis. Changes to the sensation in the gut and changes to colonic motility. So changes to the movement in your intestines and in your stomach. And IBS patients have a hypersensitivity because of the hyperactivity of the enteric nerves in their stomach. So because of the stress-induced dysfunction, they have an hyperactive stomach, which means that even the slightest movement in the gut, even the slightest movement as in digestion, even the slightest contraction of the abdomen will cause them pain and discomfort. And changes with motility, um, again, when digestion is going on, food goes through faster or slower, depending on the IBS subtype. And IBS subtypes are mainly three categories. I would say four, but they're mainly three. So the first one is IBSD, IBS diarrhea, IBSC, IBS constipation, IBSM, which is a mix, IBS mixed, IBS alternative. Some people say IBSM, some people say IBSA. And the fourth one, which is generally excluded, is IBS undefined because, yeah, it's, it's a bit of everything. You know, sometimes it's diarrhea, sometimes it's constipation, sometimes neither of those. Sometimes it's mostly just the pain and the hypersensitivity in the gut. Now I've told you about the pathophysiology. I've told you about the symptoms. I've told you about how the diagnosis works. How about treatment? How about treatment? How is IBS treated? Right now, because the cause is still quite unknown uh, we have an idea of the pathology of it we have an idea of what it does to your body but we don't actually know what causes it we know stress is a trigger but we don't know why it happens we don't know how and you know why it just starts there's been a lot of studies on different possibilities and one of them is a gut infection which I will get into but Right now, I want to get into treatment. What are the available treatments? Like I said earlier, it's still quite a under-researched area. There hasn't been any specific treatment that's been very effective. However, some treatments have been able to reduce symptoms. The most common one are antispasmodic medications. So a symptom of IBS, like I mentioned, is spasms, abdominal spasms because of the hypersensitivity and hypermotility in the gut. So the doctor will usually prescribe antispasmodics like buscopan, peppermint oil. That's some names you could recognize if you are an IBS patient. And it's basically to calm the, the muscles in your gut, to calm the abdominal spasms. Another one is pain medications to relieve the pain. So your paracetamol, ibuprofen, stuff like that. The most common ones, however, are symptom-directed medications. 
like anti-diarrhea, laxatives to help people with constipation, charcoal capsules and deflating to help bloating. Um, there's also been research on using antidepressants because studies show that serotonin secretion in IBS patients is actually dysregulated, the feel-good hormone, um, which actually in your gut has a lot of impact on motility and sensitivity. So antidepressants like SSRIs, which is serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which basically prevents the degradation of serotonin at the synapse in, you know, the nerve synapse in your gut. They've been used to treat IBS in some patients and also to treat the pain of IBS in, in some patients. Also, less to do with actual medications, some doctors have prescribed dietary changes like the low FODMAP diet. And a FODMAP is basically fermented oligo monosaccharides and polyols. They're basically simple to complex sugars that are bad for IBS patients that tend to make the symptoms worse. For instance, fruits like mangoes and apples, which for someone with a normal GI um, you know, function will be healthy for you. But some people with IBS cannot digest these fruits properly. Um, lactose is a huge trigger as well. Sweeteners like honey, also oligosaccharides like wheat and garlic. IBS patients have been told to avoid them. Also probiotics, because like I said earlier, the cause of IBS has been linked to a gut infection. So studies have shown that if you try, studies have shown that probiotics have been helpful for IBS patients because it's helped them to balance the good and bad bacteria in their gut. Okay, that's it with the, you know, basic introduction into IBS for anyone who doesn't know anything about IBS. Right now, I'm going to be joined with my guest, uh, an IBS patient, who will discuss with me the impacts, the health-related impact of IBS on a quality of life, known as HRQOL, health-related quality of life. Uh, welcome, Maya. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. And you, Taiwo? I'm good. I'm good. You excited to be here? Yeah, of course. It's my you first never. time, so let's see how it goes. A bit, but we'll see. <laughs> Is it your first podcast? I'm ready for it. Yeah, the first one. That's but let's do this, I guess. <laughs> let's do it. I'm going to ask you some questions to try and assess the impact of IBS on your quality of life. And feel free to say as much as you're comfortable with and even say more than I ask <laughs> if, you're <comfortable, laughs> if you're comfortable with that. Just to let everyone know why I'm asking these questions, it's because some studies have shown that IBS patients have had an increase in anxiety and depression after their diagnosis. So today I'm going to ask her a few questions to try and assess that. You know, it's not just anxiety and depression, it's fatigue. It's feeling pressure in a public setting because of the symptoms, not knowing when the symptoms will flare up. So yeah, let's get into this. 
Yeah, let's um, do it. Let's do it. My first question for you, what was the onset of IBS like for you? So how long ago was it? And when did you realize that there might be a problem? My first symptoms showed up about, I would say, two years ago, one and a half year ago. So quite a long time ago. Yeah. And at first, you know, it was just bloating. Like everyone gets bloated sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it was, I would say it was constant. So I was waking up bloated. Um, Or even when I wasn't bloated, when I woke up, it was like I took a sip of, of water. Yeah. And my belly was starting to get bigger and bigger. Yes. So it was like all the time. Yeah. It was every single day uh, for a longer period of time. So like it wasn't normal. Yeah. I I saw that something wasn't right. And it's not like, you know, occasionally, but it was really a constant problem for me. Yes. So um, that's when I started to take some action and really like getting more why. yeah yeah what's going on because you know at that time I didn't hear about um, IBS I, I've never ever heard about heard that about it, yeah. so yeah so it was it was quite shocking for me because I've never had any problems with my belly I yeah. I was rarely bloated so yeah it was hard so did you talk about it with your family first or did you go straight to a medical professional Okay, so my parents are doctors, so I'm lucky when it comes to that. So I didn't have to go to any doctor because my dad is a gastroenterologist. Oh, wow. Um, Lucky you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was very helpful for me because when I talked to my parents, when I talked to my family, that it's more about my family's problem because my mom had it. I mean, had it. She still has it. Yes, it's a chronic Um, condition for those who don't know. It's chronic, so you have to live with it for the rest of your life, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. More intense. Sometimes it's like almost non-visible, but still it's with you all all your life. Yeah. Uh, So my mom has the same problem. And so it was much more obvious that the same case with me. So that it is IBS. And yeah, and we, what I started doing is just looking for medications that would help me at least a bit. However, yeah. most of the medications that I was taking, so these were pri- pri- probiotics. probiotics. Yeah, right. probiotics. Um, so most of them worked for like two weeks and then all the, all the symptoms just came back. were coming back. Yeah, yeah. so... That's another it symptom. Wasn't really Sorry to interrupt you. That's yeah, another... Sure problem with IBS the symptoms seem to reoccur and that's that's basically what IBS is a recurrent <laughs> um, abdominal pain and bloating and hypersensitivity yeah. um, you feel like everything's gone and then it just can't come and back, then it yeah. comes back and like I said stress has a lot to do yeah. with it which makes me think you know for people with IBS stress management should be a huge prescription doctors should time, prescribe stress management yeah yeah so at that time I wasn't really good at that so stress management was not my biggest <laughs> strength um yeah. and yeah and it was really making me so stressed and all that because you know when you're having this big belly you're bloated all the time it it's just uncomfortable makes you really yeah you're just big all the time and you know when it stays with you for a longer period of time you just start having those thoughts like oh my god what if what if it, this is how it's gonna look like for Forever. all my life you know yes so it's really affected my um self-esteem 
how yeah. I was being myself. At one, one point, I would say I, I wasn't even able to like look at myself in the mirror wow. because I was, I was so disgusted with what I was seeing, you know. This is a complaint with a lot of IBS patients when they try different things. They try exercise, they try changing their diet, they try the medication, and it just feels like it's not working. Do you feel that that's why you just kind of gave up and just stopped looking at yourself in the mirror? All of those things you just said, so exercise, even avoiding some foods and all that, you know, yeah. it works. It, it does work, but it's a short time, yeah. like, relief, you know, because yeah. all the symptoms come back. And I just, yeah, I just think at some points I would say I, you know, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I was just looking away or, or even wow. turning back just to not look at myself. So it was wow. crazy. Wow. And, and we're, we're going to get into that because you're actually already answering a lot oh, of questions oh, that, I will, <laughs> that I will get into. So, yeah, so you kind of already mentioned bloating. What's the most common symptoms that you experience? Two, like, most prominent ones were yeah. for sure bloating plus gases. Oh, right. God, this was so uncomfortable and um, embarrassing for me you know in social situations I was always yes. stressed what if something an accident happens you know yeah and so yeah those two were also also what comes with bloating is of course stomach aches so yes. this was also a very big problem yes. for me for example when I was at school it was really hard for me to like manage that you know because for example I was sitting on a lesson and my stomach was just was exploding yes. yeah so it wasn't the most pleasant thing. But yeah. yeah, so I would say that my most common symptoms were bloating, gases and stomach aches. Right. And I love that you mentioned the discomfort in a social setting, because that's really what this interview is meant to assess. It's meant to assess, you know, the health related quality of life, the impact of IBS on your quality of life. And this, this involves social settings, it involves emotional problems and mental, the mental impact, the physical impact of IBS. And you just mentioned everything. You just covered every single part, the, the social embarrassment, the emotional aspect of it, not being able to look at yourself in the mirror, the physical aspect, the pain, um, the physical distension, and even the mental feeling I assume low moods and just feeling frustrated and what you mentioned there's a word for it is actually called body dysmorphia BDD it's it's kind of um I mean it's similar because to you I'm pretty sure someone will look at you and say you look fine but they don't see what you see because you look in the mirror and see this abnormality you see this massive belly you see because you actually feel it as well it seems even more real so you could perceive the bloating to be even worse than it actually is and it's actually called body dysmorphia so they should add that to the list the list of you know symptoms <laughs> for IBS I think it really affects so many areas of our lives so it's really yeah. hard to manage that yeah it just creates so many struggles on on every area yeah I agree. So what medications have you used and which one has been the most effective so far? 
I've tried so many medications and, you know, it was just constant cha constantly changing because one was working for a week and another one was, was helping me like two weeks. But what helped me the most were probiotics, a probiotic with like 10 billion, billion CFU of this um, lactobacillus plana, plantarum, plantarium, yeah. 299V yeah, 299 per capsule. Right. If, it, if it tells anything, I <laughs> don't know. It's a strain of bacteria for those who don't yeah. know. It's a strain of bacteria. And I saw this improvement. So I was keep taking it, keep taking it. Right. Um, I think I was taking it like two times a day on mornings right. and evenings. And it really made a difference. And it was a difference that was that um, lasted for longer than like two weeks. It was really right. helping me. I would really say that it eliminated most of my symptoms. Right. Um, maybe if I like forgot to, to take my uh, capsule or two, um, they were slowly coming back, of course, but... But yeah, it really helped me. It's kind of fixed those problems. Uh, but you know, the bloating or yeah, the bloating, right? Everything. I would say everything really. Oh, wow. And yeah, it, it really helped me, like change my life. I would say. Um, which but, is you know, interesting. There's... Yeah, I was just going to say, which is very interesting because right now I'm researching PIIBS, which is post-infectious IBS, which is IBS that develops after uh, GI infection. Because there's been a large uh, proportion of IBS patients that have gotten IBS after they had some kind of bacteria infection, which makes me think, based on what you just said, that you probably had a gut infection prior to your IBS, so you may not have realized. And for probiotics to alleviate your symptoms, I think it's evident that you may be in that category of people with PI-IBS. Interesting. So have you tried the low FODMAP diet then? And how helpful was oh. it for your... For your yeah. So I've read a lot about it because, you know, when you have a problem, you're just looking, searching for everything that could possibly help, you know? Yes. Uh, so yeah, I've read a lot about that, about low FODMAP diet and everything. And I even wanted to try. But, you know, I try, I've tried it for like, a day maybe and then I was done I was done I'm definitely not a person who can like stick to a diet to right. a very restrictive diet right because you can't yes. eat so many foods uh, when you are on low FODMAP diet yes so yeah I I tried it for a day I just couldn't do it you know yes. I'm, I, I just can't so a lot of IBS know, patients I, complain about that about how restrictive yeah. it is and there's actually mm -hmm. a study that it helped the symptoms of over half of the IBS patients, but only a third of them stopped to the diet. Only a third of them stopped yeah. to the diet, even though about 70% said it worked for them. But because it's so restrictive and it's really difficult to follow, and a lot of alternatives to these normal foods are expensive, which makes it even harder to stick to. So I agree with that 100%. I just knew that I have to find something else. There must be a different way to help yeah. me because no, I just I just couldn't do that. It was it would yeah. be I knew that it would be just miserable for me. Yes, and yeah. That so I could even add to your stress of having to yeah. look mm. for food that are alternatives to you know the alternatives to the FODMAPs and have to check the back of every label, the food labels, and yeah, it can be. And a let's lot. say I have a craving and I can eat it, so yes. no, <laughs> it's not for me. Definitely no. Yeah. So have you ever 
this is to do with now seeking help. Have you ever hesitated to ask for help in fear of not being understood or not being able to explain your symptoms properly to a medical professional? I'm lucky to have my parents as right. like my medic- medical help. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was just talking to them. I was trying to explain how it looks like, but they really knew those symptoms because right. they, they had the same ones, you know. So, no, I, I didn't have any problems with that. Again, studies have shown that, you know, IBS patients feel like their problems are not being taken seriously because there's no physical, most times there's no physical manifestation of it. With bloating, obviously, that's, you know, you can see it. But the other symptoms are functional and it's hard to explain that to a professional who can't see anything wrong with you, in quote. My next question for you is how empathetic, well, you said that your, your parents were your doctors, but how empathetic and sympathetic were they towards your condition? For you, you said your, your parents understood it. So did that make it easier for you than, you know, sympathizing with you? I know some doctors would just, if I came to them, to them they would be just like, yeah, everyone bloats sometimes. Yeah. Like it's, it's normal, you know? So yeah, it definitely make, made it much easier. It definitely made it much more comfortable. It's hard to open up about those problems to anyone else than your closest people. Yeah. Um, they understood me much better and weren't like, oh, stop, it's nothing. They were really yes. supportive for me. Um, if I was like, no, so that, that this medication is not working, I need something else. They were like, okay, we're going to find something else. Try this, this and this, you know, yes. they knew what I can, how I can change my um, they were very diet. My, yeah, yeah. They were giving me advice. So yeah, it was very helpful for me. That, that's amazing. And did you say that both your parents have IBS? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting that's interesting because again studies have shown that there could be a genetic factor to to ibs there could be a genetic genetic cause of ibs but today we're assessing the impact on the quality of life so we're not going to go into genetics today <laughs> maybe next time maybe next time how often do you think about your symptoms uh, daily, weekly, several times a day, once in a while, how often do you actually think about it? Because how often does it affect you? Every time when I come back, because right now they are not like all the time. Right. Uh, they take up very much of my time, a lot of my time, because it's a visible thing. It's a thing that you can also feel because you feel like, so full it's harder for you to breathe it's something that really affects me when it comes back so yeah in those moments I would say I would say 50% at least 50% of my time of the day I think about it wow yeah I because you know you you go out and you're like oh my god I look like a nine-month pregnant lady (laughs) I'm so young and I look like I'm pregnant what can I do to like cover it you know yeah so you have to like really pay attention to all that you really focus on that when it comes I can imagine I can imagine from the moment you wake up with a bloated tummy you have to think about what you're wearing for the day you have to think about what to eat that day you have to think about where you're going that day and a lot of other things to think about so I can imagine how much it would just 
be on your mind, <laughs> you know. Or triggering it with even more stress and all that. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a bit of a positive feedback loop, you know. You're stressed because you're bloated. You get more bloated because you're stressed. You're stressed because you're bloated. You get more bloated. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yoga. Oh, oh, my goodness. That could be really uncomfortable. Uh, so my second to the last question do you think that you live a full life with IBS? Because you've explained how it's affected you negatively. Would you say that you live a full life or sometimes or never? Or yes, you do. <laughs> so, um, going back to the thing that it's not like a constant thing for right. me right now. I'd say when those symptoms are not with me, I'm living my best life, definitely. Yes. <laughs> but when they come back, it's a bit different because it really limits a person yeah. who has IBS. So it takes um, takes away some joy from, let's say, social situations right. because you still you constantly stress think about, about bloating, about gas. You think about it; it just mm. distracts you and make it much more stressful. You're not so um happy to meet people because you're afraid <laughs> that your ideas will come and destroy yes. everything but um, sometimes then you know, yeah sometimes <laughs> sometimes, you do. sometimes when you're bloated you can do something because for example let's say you want to exercise you want to go for a run but when you're bloated it's just so hard to run because you're yeah. just choking you can't breathe and yeah, it just limits. It limits that, so that's many a very, That's a very interesting um, choice of whether you, you use there. So you feel like your bloating actually affects your breathing. Yeah. That's it's hard very to breathe. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. That could be another area of research. So do you experience any, or have you, I think you've hinted at this already. Have you experienced any psychological or mood disorders um, after the onset of your IBS? My body image was yeah. total mess. It was very. It, it was a long journey for me to recover from that. To right. uh, be able to see myself as very beautiful and all that yes. um, in the mirror again. To look at myself in the mirror again. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's really affected uh, me mentally. Like, I would even say that physical um, symptoms, like, right. weren't that um, problematic for me as those mental uh, right. consequences, right? Yes. Because it was, it was a constant battle with myself because it's, it's a very, like, big word, but I was starting to hate myself, hate what I see. I was it, it, is, it is a I, symptom and I don't want you to feel alone in that because a lot of IBS patients have actually um, based on research reported you know an increase in their anxiety and depression because they for a lot of reasons feel alone in their symptoms or they don't feel like they can live their life to the fullest so they just feel sad and um, you know depressed some of them do feel depressed because of their symptoms. So yes, allow yourself to explain <laughs> um, like how much this has impacted you. Yeah, you like hate the fact that you can't really do anything with that. You're trying so many different things. You eliminate foods. You um, 
start doing things like exercising to get rid of everything you're trying everything everything you find on the internet everything you hear your friends doing or everything you're just trying everything you're so desperate to help yourself and when nothing is working you just get even more annoyed even more stressed so wow well you have kind of given me an idea of what this you know what your answer to be to this last question and it's on a scale of one to ten how much has IBS impacted your quality of life on a scale of one to ten, one being the least and ten being the most. Seven, eight. Mm-hmm, seven, eight. Because it really wow. affects so many areas of my life. And it's just, you know, it's hard to explain for someone who never experienced that. People think like, yeah, you're bloated, but you can always wear something. You can always hide it. But it's not so easy because it's when not. you're... you're when your belly is even sticking out when you're what about the summer clothes. what about during the summer Did yeah yeah exactly <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's also like yeah. you said it's, it's less the, the physical and more the mental isn't it mm-hmm. like, as i said it's constant battle with yourself you mm. can't do anything but you're still beating yourself for that and yeah it's very hard mentally to deal with that right well that's the end of my questions for you. And I want to say thank you so much for your participation in this. Thank you so much for telling us about your symptoms, for telling us about how this has affected you. And you have actually really helped this research in a lot of ways because you've, you've touched on a lot of things that other studies have actually shown as well. Uh, you know, the impact on your mental health, the genetic aspect of it. So yeah, thank you so much, Maya, for being on this podcast. And I hope that everyone who didn't know anything about IBS at the start of this podcast now knows a lot about IBS. And, you know, if you have any family or friends that experience this, maybe you can be more sympathetic and understand how they feel a little bit better. Again, thank you so much, Maya, for joining me on this podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. The purpose of this is to let the world know, let society know, let health professionals know, let researchers know that this is a massive problem. IBS is a massive problem. It's already the most common FGID currently diagnosed. And as we've seen, it's very, very detrimental to the health of the patients. We need treatments that are not just band-aids. We need treatments that don't just mask the symptoms and ease them for a short amount of time. We need treatments that target the source of the problem so that the relief is more long-lasting. We need to find better ways to help patients so that they don't need to take 10 different medicines at the same time and still don't see results. So I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening. (laughs) 